This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Brian Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Are you guys happy that it's a new year? Are you just like, thank God 21's over with? Huh? How many of you guys? Okay. I asked, I asked this family over here, who, who prayed for snow? Okay, raise your hand right now. Who prayed for snow? Linda Bates. Okay, anybody else? Anybody else bold enough? Steve Winchell prayed for uh, snow. Who else? Anybody else? Okay. When this is over with, we're going to have a uh, talking with these two individuals. Actually, we're going to have a prayer line for those two. But who are we kidding? You know, it couldn't last forever. Am I right? This, the moderate fall that we had, and it was so nice and warm. And then I pull up this morning, and my Norwegian brother-in-law is out there in his Norwegian gear, scooping the sidewalks. I'm like, wow, he's brought Nor- Norway to our, to our land, right? Where it's like, you know, you see these, ma- you know, there's no mountains, but who am I kidding? It's like a fro- frozen tundra out there. So when this morning I was getting ready, I'm like, man, I'm going to wear a sweatshirt. It's too cold out there, right? How many of you guys thought that when you were getting ready this morning? Yeah. Well, how many of you guys are happy to be in church in 2022? I don't know about you, but I am. I am. I'm excited. I'm so thankful for our music department that they can come and usher us into the presence of God and we can worship Him. And uh, they do such an amazing job. I'm so thankful for them. And so today, yeah, let's give them a hand. I'll tell you what, I, I, uh, they, you know... Um, 50% of the people in our church serve, so I don't want to minimize anybody that serves, but I'll tell you what, the music department, they put in some serious hours. They're here late, they stay late, they come early, and, uh, um, but, but I got to tell you, because of their commitment, because of their faithfulness, we get to enjoy the fruits of their labor, the fruits of what it is that they're giving. They're giving of their life, they're giving of their talent, their time, and as a result, our church is extremely blessed. I don't know if you've ever been to any other churches, and I'm not saying that their music is bad, but I'm just saying it makes you thankful for what it is that you have, Amen. And so we're thankful for our music department. Today, uh, I'm not sure if you picked up any notes when you came in the door, uh, but I like to, I like to uh, provide notes for people so that they can write things down, maybe uh, you know, jot something down. Maybe you don't even fill in the blanks. Uh, maybe you're a person that you're a perfectionist and you got to fill in every single blank. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you're at. But, but here's the thing, you know, when you have something in your hand and you have a piece of paper, you know, the Holy Spirit can guide you. He can lead you. He can speak to you. He can show you something that maybe you've been questioning for quite some time. And it's, it's, that, it's in that place where it's like, Lord, I'm expecting to hear from you. I'm, I'm expecting you to say something to me. And so with that pen in your hand and that paper on your lap, it's like, Lord, that's what I one. So let's pray and then we'll get into this. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today and we are so thankful, Father God, for our time. We don't, we don't, we don't minimize this time. This isn't just something that we're going to check off of our list, Lord, but this is, this is a time, Father God, where we can come into your presence and we can lift up our hands and worship you, Father, just as we have, we have done. But Father, not only that, Lord, we're asking, Father God, that the Holy Spirit will speak to us, not only today, but in this year to come, Father, that our lives would be different, that we would have change in our lives. Lord, we know that you don't want us 
us to be the same, but you want us to do something different. You have a plan. You have a purpose for our lives. It doesn't matter how young or how old we are, Father. You have a plan. You have a purpose. And it's up to us, Father God, to follow you in that plan and that, and in that purpose. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, today I want to talk to you guys you know, I know it's a new year, and I know that we talk about goals, and we talk about change, and that's the subject of today's message. And, and uh, you know, I didn't really have a better title for it. If you, if you want some notes, the guys are walking around, they'll hand them out. Um, but I didn't really have a better title for it, and so when I was talking to my wife, there's something that her dad has said all through the years. Uh, when she was a little girl, and, and even now he says it, and he says it this way, change isn't change until you change. Tom Bates looked at me like, man, that's, that's deep, Brian. That is really, really deep. Change isn't change until you change. Some of you guys are looking at me like, did you watch the Matrix sequel this, this Christmas break? And the answer is yes. I did watch the, the trilogy, actually. I watched three Matrix movies in about five days. I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, the new Matrix movie is out. And so I thought to myself, well, you know, if I'm going to go see that, which I'm not real sure if I'm going to, I probably should catch up and, and rewind and go back to whatever 1996 was when the first one came out and watch the three Matrix movie. Now, Jen Bramer's looking at me like, wow, that's a long time ago. But listen, Matrix is, it's crazy, man. But they, they make these comments in there that, that's like, change isn't change until you change. And it's like, you kind of have to like rewind it. Like, what did he just say? You know? And so, um, so I know the, the, the movie's goofy, but my title's not goofy, okay? Change isn't change until you change. But change can be a funny thing. You might be thinking to yourself, well, you know what? Change is not funny because I don't like change. And change is not funny, and I don't want to change. I'm good with what I got going on. Everything's fine. Leave me alone. Don't, don't mess with my world. But change is funny. Listen to this. A man from the back mountains of Tennessee found himself one day in a large city. For the very first time, he stood outside of an elevator, and he watched as an old, haggard woman hobbled on, and the doors closed. A few minutes later, the door opened and a young, attractive woman marched off the elevator. He turned to his youngest son and he said, Billy, go get your mom. <laughs> some of you got it, some of you didn't. Some of you didn't like that joke. Okay, fine. But here's the thing. This man from Tennessee saw something that changed and he's like, I want some change in my life. You know, we don't mind change if it involves something good. Am I right? I mean, I don't know of a person in here, you know, you guys, the men that are in here, there's things that, that men like, right? Like a new truck, or maybe it's a new sports car that you're like, you know, you, you're, you're waiting for the day when all of your kids have grown and they've left the house and they've stopped, you know, taking it. Yeah, I got a witness there. They're waiting for the day when they have the money to go out and buy that special sports car or that special truck, or maybe it's that hunting gear that they, they want or that special gun. I don't know what it is for you, but there's not a man in here that doesn't want something that, that they're like, yeah, that's it. Now, ladies, you're not, you're not going to be left out here, right? 
listen, you guys, you guys go off to the, the stores and you're perusing for all the different things and it's shoes and it's purses and it's clothes and it's boots and it's whatever it is. I mean, the list is long for you. Am I right? Right. Because you like things that are new. You like to, to, to take the things that are old and get rid of them because, that, because they're, they're good. And so you like that change. You know, maybe it's a raise that you get at work. I don't know of a person in here that would say, ah, oh, you know what, I'm good. I don't, I don't need a raise. No, we all like change that is good. How about at church? We all love to see the change that occurs in people's lives, right? When, they, when, when, a, when a, um, an invitation is given for people to dedicate or be saved or be healed or make a decision for change in their life, we like to see that. Last year, we saw 217 people make a decision to change in their life. Now, I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I want to see that number higher. And so I just invite you guys to agree with us as a church that, you know, in this next year, in this upcoming year, Lord, we want more people to make that change. We like to see that change. We like that, that that's a good change, and we like to see that. But we don't like change when it messes with our normal routine. Can I get a witness in here? How many of you guys like change when it messes with your normal routine? Okay, let me give you some examples so that you understand what I'm talking about when it comes to these normal routines. How many of you guys, I know this is, some, who shops at Walmart? Anybody in here? Okay, there's a few of you. In count, well, in Counts of Bluffs anyway, they have changed the store layout right? And if you talk to any person that shops there a lot, my wife, you know, she goes there and shops and, and there's times that I'll talk to her on the phone and she's frustrated because she can't find what it is that she's looking for, right? And so we're walking through the aisles and it's like, what? I, I, you go to the spot where it's, you think it's going to be and it's not there and it's like, why did they change it, right? How about this? How many of you guys ever go to a restaurant and there's that favorite dish that you love and, it, and it's like you, you go with anticipation, you go expecting, you're like, yes, I can't wait to have that. And maybe you wait all day and you don't eat all day and you get there that night and the waiter comes to the table and you're ready to ask in the expectation for what it is that you desire and he'll say, I'm sorry, but we've taken that off of the menu. And then what do you want to do? You want to strangle the waiter. No, you don't want to strangle the waiter because you walk in love. But what do you do? You beg. You plead, you say, is there any way, is there any way that you could make, right? What is it you want? Year, this was maybe over a year ago. I had this really bad habit of eating a lot of Casey's burritos. I know, don't look at me in shame, but that's the way it was. I enjoyed them, okay? And so I would eat these burritos, and one day I went down there, and, and I got in my car, and I opened it up with anticipation to eat this thing, and I bite into it, and it is something completely different. I'm thinking to myself, what just happened to my favorite burrito? So I set the burrito down and literally got on Casey's.com on my phone and filled out a complaint form about their burritos. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that we do not like change when it messes with our normal routine. The last example that I have is this, and you guys can all relate to this if you have driven down our new interstate system, okay? Now, if you don't drive it every day, like I don't drive it every day, I don't drive to Omaha every day, but when I drive to Omaha, right, 
Who designed this thing? You got to go left to go right. You got to go right to go left. It's like, you know, I'm not kidding you. There'll be times we go down the, we're going down the interstate. I'm minding my own business. We're having a great conversation. Love is in the air. Things are great. And the next thing you know, it's like, I'm in the wrong lane. And you got to do a three lane change. You're yelling at your wife. You're yelling at your kids all because they had to change the interstate system, right? So you guys get it? We're messing with, when we mess with it, we don't like change when it messes with our normal routine. And so change is okay when it's good, but don't go changing something that doesn't need changing. And that's the attitude that a lot of us have. And so today I want to talk to you about this, this idea. And the first thing is, is in your notes, it says that people resist change. People resist change. That's just who we are. How many of you guys remember Christopher Columbus in 1492? He sailed the ocean blue, right? What did he do? He took off and he, and he, won, he, he, he knew that the, the world was round. So he takes off and he goes to sail and, and he goes off to find a different way to Asia or whatever it was. And he comes back about a year later and he realizes, that's right, the world is round. And you know, you would think that when he came back that the European country would be like, yes, you're right, the, the, the world is round. But do you know, that is not, a, not at all what happened. The people said, no, the, the world is flat. And, and you would think that it would change because somebody proved it to be true that it was round. But do you know that there was a whole generation of people that believed that the world was flat even after somebody proved that it was round? How many of you guys remember the children of Israel in the Bible? We've, we've looked at that through the years. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you can remember the children of Israel and how God had this great plan for their life. He wanted them to go. He had this place that was what was made for them. It was, it was their purpose to go to that place. And, and he, he told them that there would be hardships, but he had leaders that were put into place to, to, to lead them there. But what happened? Their thinking was wrong. Their thinking was, was of, of the nature of like the people when, when Christopher Columbus. It can't be that way. It can't happen. Why, you know, and so they could not get their thinking to change. They couldn't change the way that they were thinking, and they resisted change. And so, number one in your notes, people resist change because of personal loss. Whenever change is imminent, the first question that, um, that pops up in people's mind is, how will this affect me? Take, for instance, if a coworker came to you and said, hey, uh, they're going to be laying off some people at, the, at your job. You know, you, your, your mind would not be like, well, you know what, man, that must have been a really hard decision for the boss. Or it wouldn't have been, man, they just must have, you know, the business just must have had some issues. No, your thought goes immediately to yourself. How will this affect me? And so people resist change because of personal loss. Number two, people resist change because of the fear of the unknown. People often cling to what it is that they know, even if they are not satisfied with it. Fear holds them back. And all the things that you love and, and that you once know, that's what you hold on to because you don't want change. And we can be afraid to keep trying something new. Number three, people resist because the time is wrong. You know, and that's why we say there's no time like the present. Do it now. And, 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 and that's one reason that we resist is because we feel like the time is wrong. Number four is people resist because it feels awkward. It feels awkward. Okay, so set your pens down, all you guys that are taking notes. And I want you to go like this, cross your fingers, and put your, just do it naturally. What do you do? 
Just put it together, okay? How many of you people have your thumb on the left? On the top uh, is on the left. Raise your hand. Okay, whose, hand, whose thumb is on the right? Now I want you to do the opposite. Okay, so my thumb is on the top. My left thumb is on the top. I want you to intentionally put it on the right. Come on, do it. Come on, I know it feels awkward. You guys are resisting because you don't like change, see? Right. So change, it, we resist change because it's awkward. And so for me, when I put my, my right thumb, that feels so awkward. And the same thing is true when it comes to our lives and when it comes to change is it can be, it can be awkward. And number five is people resist because of tradition. And this is probably, probably you know, when it comes to the church, uh, you know, a local body, a local church is this idea of tradition and how dangerous it can be. You know, we've all heard it said before, um, well, that's just the way that we have always done it, right? That's the way it's always been. Everything is fine the way that it is. And, and as we grow older in our lives, you know, as, as the years go on, we, 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 we kind of really this is probably the biggest one, is that we resist change because of tradition. We think to ourselves, well, it's always worked. It's, I've always done it this way. I've always, I've, this is the way it's always been. This is the way my dad did it. This is the way my grandpa did it. This is the way, you know, my, my aunt did it. This is the way my grandma did it. You know, whatever it is. But the reality of it is, is that that's dangerous because, because God wants to do things in our lives but as we move through life, if we, we roll back and we resist change because of tradition, God is hindered in what it is that he can do in our lives. And so we can't be people that resist change because of tradition. And so here's the problem. Resisting change when it comes to our life and what God wants to do in us and through us is, ex and is, is an extremely dangerous place to be. Left unchecked, it will creep into the way our lives with the way we live our lives and into our church. How many of you guys know that, you know, our church is, is made up of people? It's, it's, it's not the, the, the necessarily what makes up our church. It's not necessarily the leadership of one. Our church is made up of, of many, many people, people that are here, people that are, that are not here today because of, of the holidays. But our church is made up of people and what it is that how they live their lives, Am I right? You know, uh, years ago, we had a, an individual that came to our church. He was a contractor, and he brought his three young boy or three young grandsons with him. And they were walking around, and they were looking at some things that we were, you know, having to have fixed. And we kind of took them through the facility just because we were looking at these things. And th one of the grandsons, I'll never forget it, he, we were standing right out here in the foyer, and we had just walked down the hall from the children's church, and they were young. And he, he turns, or he kind of says to his grandpa, he's like, Grandpa, why can't our church be like this? You know, be fun and be awesome. You know, and I walked away from it and I thought to myself, you know, that's, that's cool. You know, you, you want kids to come into your church and into your facility and you want them to, you know, not, not necessarily be impressed, but want to be here, you know? And, and my thought was, is that, you know, the building is just the building. What's, what makes our church amazing is the people that call this church their home. It's our spiritual family. Am I right? You know, each and every person brings something. They bring a gift. We talked about at the beginning of the service, we talked about our music department and how they bring their gift. 
We, we experience what we experience because they bring their gift, okay? We wouldn't have the blessing that we have in our lives and in our praise and worship if, if all of these people decide, well, you know what, I, I really don't want to get out of bed or I really don't want to go to practice on a Wednesday night after church or I, I, that's really costing me too much, so I don't want to do that. Think about our, how our lives and our church family would be different if people were selfish and decided, well, you know what, I don't want to do that. I am glad that they don't do that. I'm glad that they say, you know what, I've been placed, a, a gift has been placed upon my life and, 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 and that's, uh, there's a supply for that. There's other people, there's, there's people in our, our NTP, there's people in our children's, there are people that serve in our youth department. Those people have a gift. They have a gift with little kids, they have a gift with kids, they have a gift with teenagers, they can talk to them, connect with them. And, and, and I'm so thankful that they bring that gift and they, they, they bring their supply, why? So that, so that when these new families come in and, and new people come in, they are experiencing God's goodness and God's, God's grace upon their life. And they walk away from this church and they think, man, that was awesome. But they, they don't say it was awesome and they don't feel like it was great because of the building. It's because of the people. It's because of the people that they come up to the, the NTP window and they hand their child to somebody. And if that child or if that person that's on the other side of the, the window has a smile and is warm and accepting and, and, and has this gift to be able to make this, this small child feel welcome as a parent, that blesses them, right? Uh, here a few weeks ago, I was uh, going to youth to, to the service there and I saw these three boys around the corner, man, and they're running to children's church, and they are excited. And I'm thinking to myself, that is a win. When three boys are running, and some people are like, well, they're running in the halls. Guess what? I don't care. They're happy to be at church. Some of us could take a, a, an example from that and run to church. We slam the door and we run to the front door. Why? Because we're excited. We're excited to be at church. We're excited for what it is that God's going to do. We're excited to serve somebody. Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we're like, oh gosh, another day. I got to get up. Let's be excited. Let's, let's be thankful that we have an opportunity to serve and be a part of, of, of something that's great, something that's reaching people, something that's teaching people, something that's you know, helping people. I want to be a part of that, and I hope that you do too. And so we can't, we, we can't resist change. This is an excerpt that I read out of a book here, actually just yesterday, and I, and I picked it back up because uh, somebody else had made a post and it reminded me of this book. And, and it kind of goes along with this idea of, of resisting change and how dangerous it can be. And it, this is out of a book that, that uh, John Bevere wrote many years ago called A Heart Ablaze. And to give you a little preface to it, John had been in this church and he had been ministering and the Holy Spirit had just moved in a major way. And what they did is, is they had like a 40-day 40 40 fast, I believe is what it was, where people just set down things. It wasn't like, you know, just set down things for 40 days and began to fast and pray. And then they had a meeting after 40 days. And just some amazing things happened in this church and in this church service as a result of these people's discipline and as a result of their choice to do this. But you know, I wanted to pull this out. And so look what it says here. I put it in your notes. It says, God instructs us to rend our hearts and not our garments. I have seen believers in ch uh, and churches that by appearance seem to have it all together, yet not touch the heart of God as this church had. The reason they may fast, they may hold meetings, 
They may abstain from outward indulgences, causing them to look uh, good as far as an outward garment is concerned. But inwardly, I want you to get this, inwardly they conceal stubborn hearts. Now, now, you know, we're talking about change this morning. And, you know, we can approach this from a very, very surfacy level. You know, I mean, millions of dollars are spent on self-help books that, that talk about change and habits and all of those things. And those are good. I'm not minimizing them. But at the end of the day, what I'm talking to you guys about is, 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 is the heart. Each and every one of us, you know, on the, on the inside of us, the, that God is speaking to us. And there's things that, that maybe he's been dealing with you for months, maybe weeks, maybe years. That's what I'm talking about. And, and, and it goes on to say, they still live for their own agendas rather than the service of others. God is more impressed with inward submission than outward appearance of Christianity. And so that's what I'm talking about today, guys. It's not change, just change for the sake of change. I'm talking about changing our inward man. There's only one way that that's going to happen, and that's, that's through uh, looking at the Word, renewing our mind, and allowing and asking God to change our lives. But, I, but, but I'm, I'm talking about you know, these things that hold us back from a very natural sense from change that God wants to take place in our lives. And so you know, one of the questions that I think you know, that, that we often ask is, is, why do I need to change? What's the point? Everything's good. Everything's fine. Or, or what is it that I need to change? But I think the biggest question that we really should be asking, and it's in your notes there, is what will happen if I don't change? What will happen if I don't change? And for each person that's in here today, that's different. We have teenagers that are sitting in here. We have uh, people that are adults, people that are grandparents. And, and so what is it, what is it that will happen if we don't change? You know, what will happen if we don't change in our marriage? What will happen if we don't change our future? What will happen to us, our, our children's future if we don't change? What will happen to your career if you don't change? What will happen to your business if you don't change? What will God ask and intend? What maybe will we miss if we don't change? You know, that's one thing, you know, that for, for a lot of my life, that's, that's a big thing to me is, is what is it that God's going to say to me when I stand before him? When, I, when, I, when it's just me and I'm standing before my heavenly father and I'm giving an account for the way that I live my life. I'm giving an account for what it is that he asked me to do. That is what I'm talking about. For, and so for each and every one of us, you know, you might have that down. You might be good there, but maybe it's a marital issue or maybe it's a parental issue or something that you know in your heart of hearts right down here that you need to change in order to have a difference being made in your life. The sad part is, is that we often never ask that question. Change only happens when we're forced, right? We're only forced to. You think about it, people that you've, you know, maybe loved ones, where it's a health issue, where, where, where time goes by and they, they have a habit that they're participating in and they know that it's not going to bring, bring a good result, but they don't stop. And so what ends up happening is, is a major health issue occurs and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I need to drive. It, it, that's what really drives the change. But we don't want to do that. We don't want to be like that. And so that's the whole reason for today. In many people's lives, disaster drives change. But in your notes, it says that change for, the most, for most is reactive and not 
proactive. We need to be proactive. We need to, you know, if it, you know when it comes to this spiritual element that I'm, that I'm talking about, being proactive in change, being proactive in our lives is making a decision to set aside things that are, that are hindering, set aside things that maybe are not necessarily bad, but it's like, you know what, I'm going to set this aside and I'm going to spend some more time reading. I'm going to spend some more time praying. I'm, you know, I'm going I'm to you know, notch out this part of my day you know, or focus on you know, spending time in prayer when I drive to work. Or at, at, at night, right before I uh, go to bed, after I put my kids to bed, I'm going to read for 30 minutes. Whatever that is for you, it's just that you're making those decisions to do that, being proactive. You know, we can have excuses uh, um, uh, to, to not do that, but these, these problems persist. Problems will persist in your marriage. Problems will persist in different areas if we don't make a change and we're not proactive. Look at this in your notes. It says, God never intended that we live a life resistant to change. God never intended for us to be resistant. You, the children of Israel are actually the spies. You guys remember the 12 spies that Israel sent into the land? He's, they sent them in there and because God had said, God had promised them and said, hey, listen, I've given you this land. It's yours. I'm with you. But, but um, Moses said, go in, sent these 10 spies or 12 spies in. They came back and 10 of them had a bad report. They, they had this resistance. They, they were resistant to change. They didn't want, you know, their safety. They, they were like, I don't know about that. It, those guys are big and, and, and the walls are fortified in these cities. And I, you know, and so they resisted it. But there were two guys, remember, Joshua and Caleb. And man, they came back and they had a different report. They're like, they didn't resist that change. They, they said, man, we are well able. God will be with us. You know, their, 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 their focus was not on themselves, their ability, the guns that they had, the number of men and how strong they were. No, their, their, their reliance and trust was in God and what it is that he said. And the same thing is true for us is, is that we can't be resistant to that. God's plan, actually, number two in your notes, change has a purpose. Change has a purpose. Malachi 3.6 says it this way, and I am the Lord, I change not. It doesn't say, I am Steve, I change not. No, our Lord doesn't change. Our God doesn't change, but we, we need to change. We need, he wants us to change. Um, not only is change a part of everyone's life, it is a necessary part. God never allowed any believer in the Bible to remain in one place for very long. He kept each one moving for great spiritual reason. Think about it. Elijah, you guys remember Elijah? Uh, God told him to move from the presence of Ahab uh, to the brook of Cherith, and, and, and he would be fed by ravens, right? So he said, hey, Elijah, I need you to move. So what did Elijah do? He moved. So he goes to that place, but the brook, what happened is the brook dried up. If you read in the scripture, it says that he got to that place, he was there for a while, then the brook dried up. And he was told by God to go to another place. So what did he do? He went to another place. He moved, he changed, he didn't resist. And then, and then um, if you read further on down, it, it says that two different times God said to him, what are you doing here? So God had said, hey, it's time to go. It's time to do something different. It's time to change. Two different times. Has God ever said that to you? <laughs> what are you doing, right? Well, I, I asked you to change something and you're not changing. And so, so I guess what, I, what the encouragement that I have in that is, is that I'm in good company. Man, if he told Elijah twice, 
You know, maybe he'll have grace for me to tell me three times that I need to change, that I need to do something different. But the point is, is that we can't resist that and, and that God has a purpose in that. Noah, right? Think about Noah. He, you know, God says, I want you to build an ark. You want me to build a what? Right? He's like, Okay, so he starts doing it. He starts putting his hand to it. Man, people are persecuting him. People are making fun of him. People are telling him he's crazy. But I guarantee you, on the day that, the, that God shut the door and he's climbing up that wood ladder, he's like, man, I'm glad I didn't resist change, right? They're out there. I'm in here. It's raining. And so, so the point is, is that, that God wants us to change. He leads us through change. Yet, in a Christian's life and in a church, we fight change. In your notes, it says that God's plan not only includes change, it is change. God's plan for each and every one of us, guys, it is change. It doesn't just include it, it is. We have to be people of change. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it this way. But we all, with open faces, looking into a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. So, it's saying that with an open face, we look into a mirror. How many of you guys looked into a mirror this morning? Okay, I brought a video to see if maybe this is what it looked like. I saw that yesterday and I was just like, that's hilarious. <laughs> you guys get it? <laughs> it's like, whoa, he's an orangutan driving a golf cart that's overweight. That's what that is, right? So maybe this Christmas season, this holiday season, you, you ate too much, you know, cheese dip and sausage and pie. I don't know, right? And you looked into the mirror, it's like, whoa, right? Okay. I was the only one, I guess. So... <clears throat> You know, what's it for? What's a, what's a mirror for? It's to help us to see the things that need to be changed, right? You know, when kids are young, they really don't look in a mirror very much, right? Girls are probably some of the, you know, they start at a younger age to begin to look into the mirror, right? And, 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 and change and makeup and hair and all these things and clothes and how they look. And then it's not long after that that young men begin to notice the younger women. And then what do they do? They start looking in the mirror, right, to see what it is that they look like, to see what it is that they need to change. And so we're looking in a mirror, and when we look at God's Word, God's Word is a mirror. As I said before, you know, we want change, and I think that some of the books that are out there are helpful. But if you really want change, it's the Word of God that is going to change you from the inside out. That's that, but you have to look upon, look upon that mirror every single day. So, and then you need to begin to ask God, say, Lord, I need you to help and show me, change me, help me to see what it is that I need to see as I look at this word. That's a simple prayer that you can, you know, if you want your Bible reading time to change, it's like, Lord, help, show me some things as I read. Change me. Let the mirror change who it is that I am. And he will. And so change, is, change has a purpose. But not only does change have has a purpose, number three, change is necessary. You know, I can remember uh, many years ago when we were living in our, our first house, it was a smaller house, and, and so we just got to the point where we couldn't add on, we couldn't do anything, we didn't have room. So it's like, we have to change. And I can remember our older two were pretty young, and so we moved into a duplex, and uh, 
we'd go on walks and we'd go back past this house and they'd, ask, they'd be asking these questions, you know, can we go back in there? Can we go back in the house? It's like, no, we can't go in there. That's not our house anymore, you know? And, and you know, there'd be times where it's like, well, I, w- I want to move back into that house. I want to go back to that house, you know? And so it was just funny because, you know, we, we moved to a different place and then we began to build a house and, and uh, you know, they're still young. So it's like, you know, hey, we're almost done with the house and we're going to move into the new house. And it's like, no, no, I don't want to move into the house. Let's, let's stay in the duplex, right? That they, you know, so it's this comfort thing. Now, my wife, she never said that when we were living at the duplex. Not one time she was okay with change. She didn't resist change. She was ready for change because it was good. But, but as, as people, sometimes that's what happens, but, but change is necessary. When our family was young and we needed something new, change was necessary. And the same thing is true in our lives. Change is always necessary. Look in your notes there. Psalms 55, 19 says it this way. God will hear and afflict them. He who abides from the old because they have no changes. Therefore, they do not fear God. Another verse of scripture, or actually a different version there in your notes in the NIV, it says, men who never change their ways have no fear of God. The NLT, because they refuse to change their ways, they do not fear God. And then finally, because they do not change, they do not fear God. I don't want to be a person that, that, that lives my life. If, I, if I'm a man that is, that is serving God and, and, and with my whole heart and I fear God, not, not I'm afraid of him and what it is that he's going to do to me, but no, I have a reverential fear that I honor God with my life. I'm going to be a person that changes. I'm going to be a person that when, when he asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Now, I might be like Elijah and he might have to say it two or three times, but I'm endeavoring to make that change and to change my life. In your notes, it says that when you fight change and you refuse change, you stop your journey. And I think that, you know, for, for us, as, as we all are getting older, year after year after year, we become, like I said earlier, we're more set in our ways, where, where we fall back on tradition. Well, that's the way I've always done it. My challenge to you in this new year would be that you don't do that. That you'd be like, you know what, I'm not going to be that person. I, I might be older, I might be, you know, in my 50s or 60s or whatever, but you don't, res- you know, you don't roll back and say, well, it's just, it's just the way I've always done it. Because I think that what's going to happen is you're going to realize that God wants to do some things in your lives and, 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 and you'll stop that journey in your life if you resist that change. You know, I think about some of the, the people in our, in our lifetime that have just done great things, you know, and... and you know, they didn't roll back. Some of them, man, were in their 50s or 60s and, and, and 70s when they started doing something. But can I tell you, they probably wouldn't have done that if they would have resisted that change. If they would have said, well, it's just the way I've always done it. No, they just began to continue, continue to be people that were learners, continue to be people that wanted change in their life. And God rewarded them with continuing to to show them that journey and and show them what it is that that he wanted for them. And so God's guidance is found in change. And we think about Jonah in the Bible. You know, Jonah resisted that change because God asked him to go to Nineveh and he said, no, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And so he did his own thing. But he, he, God got his, got his attention and he said, okay, I'm going to do it. And he had that heart change and then he went. So in closing, you know, when it comes to these ideas that, that change has purpose and 
Change is necessary. I, I can think of this one story. I actually just told the story here uh, um, when we had our uh, event over in Winterset, Iowa. And uh, this was five years ago. Will was about two years old, and we were out in this field. And Emily and, and our neighbor were out on this terrace, and they were just playing and having a good time. And, and uh, <clears throat> I was just out there because Will was two, and, and he, you know, you can't, I mean, I, I guess you could just let him go, but that's probably what I should have done. But the thing is, is that he was so short, you know, and he had those diapers on, he, he couldn't get his feet up over the corn stalks, you know, and so I didn't want him to get impaled. And, uh, um, and so we're out there, and Emily and, and our, our neighbor were off playing. They're having a great time, you know, and Will, man, he's, I don't know why we named him Will. He's strong-willed, and uh, he wanted to go there. He's just like, you know, just, he's like, you know, you guys remember having kids, you know, they're just struggling and they want to go there. And as a dad, I'm like, I'm not going all the way over there. If you want to go, go, right? Because I'd been carrying him and, and they were a ways off and I didn't want to walk that far and I don't know. And so, um, you know, we had this, we had this wrestling match between us, you know, and, and finally, you know, I was just ready to go inside. And, and so I, I said, hey, I'm going in. What do you want to do? You want to go with me or you want to go play with them? I didn't care, you know. Um, and so he, he was just adamant. I mean, just tears and just struggling and just like, I want to go over there. I want to be with Emily and I want to play with them. And, and uh, I was standing, you know, a ways off, about 20 yards from him. And uh, I said, you do whatever you want to do. And immediately the Holy Spirit said to me, you're like that sometimes. I'm like, shoot, okay. You know, I'm standing in the middle of this field, and here's my kid, and he's he's and he's and he said, "You're you fight me, you you fight against me. It's like you want your own way, you want to go your own way, you want to do your own thing, you want to go that way, and that's okay if you want to do that. But but what he was saying to me that day was, is he's like, you know, I have a way, I have a direction." I have a purpose and a plan for your life, what, something that I, that I want to do. And you're welcome to come with me. You can come with me. You'll, you'll have all the provision that you need. You know, I'll, I'll keep you safe. All of these things. But a lot of times you resist the change. You resist what it is that, that I want for your life because of what you want to do. And what happened was, is Will's like, I want to go. I want to go with you. And so he turned around and, you know, he waddles through the corn stalks and he puts his hands up and I pick him up and I put him on my shoulders. And as I'm walking back to the house, you know, the Lord's just like, this is the way your life can be. I'll carry you. You know, my, you know, the, the Bible says that my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And, 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 and so when we get in step with him, when we get in step with what it is that he wants to do, it's the journey's great. It never stops. It continues even, even into the latter years of our lives that God has a plan. He has a purpose. But, but if, we're, if we're like Will, so to speak, and we resist, and we're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to go back to the house. I don't want to go that direction. I want to go over here. I want to do this. It's not that it won't be good. It could be good, but it won't be God's best. 
And so today, my challenge to you is, is that you don't just stop with this. You don't walk out the door and go wherever it is that you go and grab whatever it is that you grab to eat and just continue on, you know, 2022. And it's no different than 2021. I, said, I, don't want that. I don't want it to be that way. I hope that you don't either. But we have to begin to take the steps. You know, uh, change is really just a process. And I think a lot of times as believers, we think, well, it's just a project. I want a quick fix. I want it to be over right now, and I just want it to be done. But that's not the way it happens. It's a daily decision. It's a daily process. Some days we'll, we might take a step back. Some days we might take a few steps forward. But it's, it's just that committed, committedness, that, that committal to doing his will, his way, his plan, his purpose, his desire for us, and, 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 and not resisting that. Because I think that, you know, a lot of times we think that God's going to ask us to do something that we can't do or that we're unable to do. And God's saying, man, I, I got you. I will help you. I'll put you up on my shoulders. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I don't know if it's, if it's in your marriage. I don't know if it's in your business. I don't know if you feel stuck in your job. I don't know what it is. But, but God can help you if you just say, you know what? I am open to change. I, I might be a little bit scared inside, Lord, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going I'm to rely on you, and I'm going I'm to ask you to, to strengthen me. And, and when you do that... He'll grab your hand and he'll just walk you right through the whole thing. And that whole struggle that you have, you'll, you'll look back and be like, man, why did I resist it? Why did I resist it? Because of tradition and, and, and because of fear. You'll be glad that you, when you look back and, at what God can do in your life. And so my challenge for you today is, is just that whatever it is that God's been speaking to you, because you, you and I both know there's been times in your life, it might have not been in a cornfield with a two-year-old, but it might have been driving down the road. It might have been when you were combing your hair. It might have been that one time when you were getting ready to shave your face. It might have been that one time when you were, or when you, the Holy Spirit spoke to you about doing something. About, and, and what you need to do is you need to go back to that place and do what it is that he said to do. Because what that'll begin to do is it'll begin to invite him back into your life and say, you know what, Lord, I want to be a part of your journey, not my journey. I don't want to resist change. I want change. And I know that you're going to bring blessing in my life as a result. Amen? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. We are so thankful and so grateful, Father God, for you in our lives. Father, we don't want 2022 to be the same. We don't want to draw back, as your word says that some will do. Father, we want to draw upon you. We want to we chase hard after you, after the things of God. Father, we want to fulfill the calling and the plan and the purpose that you have placed on our lives. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help each and every one of us to not resist that, to not resist the change that you are speaking to our lives, Lord, but that, that we would be open to it, that we would be obedient to it, that we would have a right heart to it, Father. Because we know, Father, that that is the perfect plan and will of God for our lives. And so we just thank you, Lord, that you are strengthening each and every one of us right now. And, and with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, let's just take this opportunity. If you're in this place today 
And as I said before, you know, last year we had 217 people that made a decision to change. If, if, this, if this message has just has resonated in your life between you and God, just say, Lord, that is me. With your hand, just, just put it up for a second and then just put it right back down. That's all I need you to do. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Awesome. I see that hand. Awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Great. Father, we just want to thank you today for these people that have responded. Father, that they know that there's change that needs to take place. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them and everyone else in the sound of my voice, Father. Strengthen us with might, Father, to do what it is that we need to do to change. To not resist change, but to change. And we thank you, Father God, that you're doing that in our lives, in our families. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, hey, you know, as we, as we continue to just bring our service to a close, uh, how many of you guys grabbed a uh, communion cup when you came in? Um, I think our ushers have some. If you don't have one, you can raise your hand. You know, communion is just something that, that Jesus really instructed us to do. Um, before he, he went to heaven, he gave us instructions that basically, you know, communion was a celebration of what Jesus did in his body, on this earth, through his life. And so he told us to, he instructed us to... Um, the importance of it. He instructed us to, uh, um, to examine ourselves, you know, and so and what that means is, is that basically what Jesus did was is that he gave his life for us. He, he broke, his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. And so communion is, is, is uh, it's a celebration of that but we're examining our lives and we're saying, Lord, you know, we're, we're making those changes. It's kind of like we just got done saying. We're changing what it is that we need to do. And, and so it's, it's through this ceremony, so to speak, that we do that. And so look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians uh, eleven twenty eight. It says that we're to examine ourselves. But it goes on to say, if you back up in verse 23, it says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. And Father, we, we thank you, Father, for the body that was broken for us. The stripes that were taken on his body for us for our health, and for our wholeness. And today, Father God, we just honor him in that. In Jesus' name, you may partake. It goes on to say in verse 25, And in the same way, he also he took the cup, and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink this, uh, uh, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. You may partake. Pray with me. Father, we just want to thank you for this time today, for this, for, for this communion that we've partaken of, Father God. We thank you, Father, for Jesus' life, the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for us. Father, we thank you and, and we commit and we consecrate our lives to you in this new year. And we thank you, Father, for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.